Your favorite things feel made for you. Your education should too. University of Maryland Global Campus, formerly University of Maryland University College, was made to serve the military and working adults like you. Today, we continue that tradition by offering frequent start dates so you can get started with convenient online learning that fits your schedule, by recognizing your accomplishments with credits you can earn for what you know, by providing no-cost online resources replacing most textbooks because a college education can fit your budget too, and with no SAT or GRE required for most programs. University of Maryland Global Campus, made for you. Last year, we awarded more than $15 million in scholarships to qualified students, including community college students, service members, veterans, and working adults just like you. Discover how we can make your education and your goals for the future a reality. Visit us at umgc.edu. That's umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV. And welcome once again to the AFA Podcast, the official podcast for AnimationForAdults.com. This is episode 90, so if you're uh, first joining us, uh, welcome, first of all. Like I said, (laughs) this is a professional recording. Um, But yeah, we basically just talk about animation, whether it's coming in feature films, short films, television, video games, you name it. If it's animated, by gosh, we're going to talk about it. Uh, Joining me today is Chris. Hello. Dan. Hello. And the very lovely Yvonne. Hello. <laughs> hey, everybody. Hey. How's everyone been? Good. Yeah. Can't complain. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. So, I guess we'll just go ahead and leave off. So we're going to have this bit of a bit more of a general episode, which that means if you're, again, tuning in for the first time, that's going to mean we're going to be going over some of the more recent uh, topics of discussion or news that's come down, uh, that's been reported relatively recently, at least within the last week or so. And we'll just discuss our thoughts on it before moving on into a bit more general discussion of stuff we've uh, had the opportunity to watch, see, or uh, play this week. So to start off for today... um, if you're a fan of uh, Hayao Miyazaki's work, uh, this should concern you very much, because um, there's been a rumor circulating that he was uh, working on a new feature film. And while we were a little light on the details of what exactly that was, we now have more confirmation of what the, at least the title is and what it is uh, loosely going to be based on. And the title is called Kimitachi wa do ikuru, ikiru kara, ikuruka. Sorry, I cannot speak Japanese very well. Um, which is roughly translated uh, uh, to How Do You Live? And I believe it's uh, based off of um, a Genzoburo Yoshino book. Do you have more information on that, Chris? Well, apparently the title comes from a 1937 book uh, yeah, by Genzoburo Yoshino, but it is not a direct adaptation um, but the st- that story has great significance to the protagonist of the film. Um, ah. And uh, basically, the last thing we heard about the film was there was a rumour going around that it was going to be based on, inspired by Irish literature. So this is completely different. This is not that. that. No, no, it's not. <laughs> this is definitely not that. And it also confirms it's definitely not Bora the Caterpillar, so stop saying that places. <laughs> Everywhere. 
Yeah, that, that, that was a rumor circulating around for a while, and we've been eager to dispel, because that was, uh, The Borrow of the Caterpillar was a short film exclusively for the museum, was it not? Mm-hmm. Which is still yeah, happening. So <laughs> it's still, still happening, but this is, this is a completely different project, and supposedly the final of his films. Mm-hmm. So not a... Supposedly. Supposedly. <laughs> I, have, if, I have a feeling if he had his way, he'd probably be, like, literally, even if it was on his deathbed, he'd be still making, like, I want, you know, trying to yeah. make an animated film. I think it's fair to say he does have it his way. Like, he's <laughs> just doing whatever the hell he wants. Because mm-hmm. he's Miyazaki. Sure. But yeah, that's uh, so far in regards to that particular story, which I know we've covered on quite a few uh, previous episodes of the podcast. That was the latest uh, new piece of information we got for that. So that is really cool, and we're really excited to get some more details on exactly uh, what this film is going to be about, other than what it is loosely based on. It doesn't sound like a fantasy. I think that's safe to say, right? Yeah. Mm. It sounds like it's kind of going to be... Like, if if it's based on a book that was, like, what is it, from 1937? Yeah. It's probably going to have, like, Wind Rises kind of vibes, I'm getting ready, of sort of, you know, old man Miyazaki getting a bit nostalgic for mm-hmm. his, uh, you know, the days when he was a, a youth and everything. I don't know. I'm getting tinges of that. Yeah, I was really can only speculate at this point, but that's not that... I don't imagine that's very far off. You've you've got a really good gut feeling when it comes to Ghibli and Miyazaki films, Dan. But yeah, really excited to see some more details for that, as uh, we'll definitely uh, make sure to keep everyone informed if anything else is revealed about that movie. Um, next, since another thing we like to tend to talk about on the podcast is uh, the Disney Company, for sure. But more particularly, or specifically the um, quote-unquote live-action remakes. Not live-action! This one isn't. At least this one is. They have yeah, a few be careful. I wouldn't want to... You've got, you got to get it right with Disney, otherwise they could take away our license to um, report on them in any capacity. Uh, well. But um, I know this one in particular, this is the remake of The Lion King, and I believe it's going to be directed by uh, John Favreau, who also directed the remake of the uh, Jungle Book. And the big piece of news coming out of that particular uh, production is that they have pretty much the full cast list, or at least all the, the big the big league stars that are going to be um, involved in uh, ca- the cast of characters. And we already knew a few of them. Donald Glover is Simba, and I know James Earl Jones was going to be uh, coming back to play Mufasa. But there are actually quite a few more, and um, some of the casting choices I find really cool, especially, uh, let me make sure I'm pronouncing this right, John Kenny, who is uh, coming back to voice uh, Rafiki. I'm really excited about. But any other... um, Queen Bay! I'm sorry? Queen Bay. Oh, well, yeah, that is a thing, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) This little person named Beyonce is going to be... uh... It's crazy. Like, it's so fun uh, to think about, like, how she was in an Austin Powers film. I was, and, like, I was remembering that. And, I was like, now... Was it... <laughs> <laughs> and now it's like, it's a surprise that, like, she's almost too big to be in a movie. <laughs> yeah, I think I saw that announcement, like, oh, she was going to be playing now, and I almost did a double tag, like, wait, what? Really? <laughs> but also, yes, yeah, some other interesting faces. Um, I see... 
who else is in here? Keegan Michael Key is yeah. going to be part of this movie, which is really great. I don't recognize the character name that he is those, playing. Those 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 three people, those three characters, uh, Kimari, Shinji, and Azizi. I had to look it up to be honest, but they they are they are the hyenas. They're all the hyenas. Okay, yeah, so yeah. they they changed the at least from the animated version. The other they have different names from the other than Shenzi than the mm. other two hyenas. Okay, I think so. so. That makes me really, yeah. That makes me really curious. Then who's gonna be the one that um that which one of those other two is Ed, the incessantly laughing one? Mm. <laughs> who's to guess if it's gonna be uh, Eric Andre or Keegan Michael Key? Hmm, I don't know. But John Oliver is as a... I know! I think that was, like, other than, like, uh, James Earl Jones and uh, John Candy, I was really excited to see him cast as Zaza. Like, oh my goodness! That's so exciting. Can we tell as Scar, which is awesome? I'm really excited for that. See how he does it. So the the real question is, this this, uh, Beyonce lady... Right, she's as an act, actor, fine, right? But can she sing? Is the question. That's what we need to know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is there is there are songs in the line, so I think you got to be able to. Sing. John Oliver's going to have to sing if it's anything. <laughs> he is. I forgot, he had a, did he have a song? Well, no, he he. So um, I was listening in the car the other day because I swear it came on random. <laughs> Um, to uh, like the Lion King, uh, what's it? I just can't wait to be king. Yeah, he's and, got a lion, isn't he? And he's and he he's does. Sort, it's getting um, wildly out of wing. Yeah, Ro- <laughs> Rowan Atkinson sort of like talk things yeah. through it. It's okay. like it's like he was advised. Now he can't sing, mate, but just do like rhythmic talking, and <laughs> that that'll do the job. Unless That's... they restore the the remo- the bonus song morning report. Oh. To... I don't think we need that. <laughs> so I think that's just by Zazu. Yeah, that, I think I remember that as being like the really, like the the song he was actually singing. But I'm yeah. not sure if we need that necessarily. And that wasn't Rowan Atkinson when they did that. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> what I find really crazy about this is like it's the first time I remember. I don't know. At least for a while, like. A studio going apps like expecting the public to go batshit crazy for a casting report. Like at this point, it's just like a radio play. It's not. It's I don't know. I I think there's such thing as like getting too excited too early. Yeah. Maybe this is it. I don't know. They've they've not really hit. No, sorry, Rachel. No, I really. I I was just gonna spout off an opinion it's like maybe they're just because they really don't have anything else to show in terms of promotion that maybe they're this is just kind of a placeholder for when they actually put out because wasn't there a trailer or like a like a teaser trailer that they put out in d3 d23 yeah they showed footage there that people went footage? crazy for yeah teaser. oh really oh right apparently it was basically the um you know the uh opening sequence Mm-hmm. So that exists, but we haven't. Uh, they haven't. They're not ready to uh, show that to the public yet. No, just the D twenty three people, just like the Infinity War trailer. You can't see it. It's not no. allowed. <laughs> Even though it exists. The Almighty Word of Disney has spoken. 
but yeah, it's if you're curious about the film, I know we've had some, you know, the fact that this uh, is going to be another John Favreau movie. I know said so we're particularly split on uh, the the Jungle Book movie. Yeah, you know, I think I was that I really enjoyed it. Dan, you enjoyed it. Chris, you weren't so hot on it. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> What's gonna... yeah, go ahead. Chris, so like you didn't like the Jungle Book. What version of the Lion King would you like? Uh, I don't want this one. <laughs> okay, okay. No, uh, I... I mean, I like the cast and everything, but yeah. I don't, I don't want to see the Lion King done in that style. It's so weird. It's so weird. Have you seen Have you seen the musical? No. Okay. Because I've I've heard that like that turns it into something slightly different, and if it did that, that would be interesting. But I'm kind of with you in that I'm a little bit. So I didn't see Beauty and the Beast. No. Um, just because it looked so much like the cartoon, and also not quite. I don't know. These just all of, all of these. Um, and I know it's like a really sort of like cliche opinion to have now but like all these like weird not quite live action sort of CG remakes are just getting a bit bit much yeah it's it's just like you know I, I think I said this last time we mentioned them like it takes so much effort to make a movie like they could make a great new thing that we don't even know we want you know like they used to <laughs> Rather when this than was just... popular, when this first came out, because it was, it was, you know, people can say it's, oh, it's Hamlet with lions, all you want, but still, it was a take well, on the story that had never been done before. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Like the original movie was born from a spirit of, well, let's try this. And if they did that a bit more, yeah, I'd have a bit more respect for them. Like they it's, went, let's do Kimber the White Lion, but with not white lion. Yeah, like the whole the whole thing with with Disney in the past, like you know, even from the time that uh, Walt Disney was still producing stuff, he was he was into finding old stories and mining them uh, for like new contexts and you know new ways of presenting old ideas and the margin of creativity or like wiggle room of creativity that's allowed now with these remakes of Disney movies just seems really dull some of them do more though like the Peach Dragon remake was that was quite bold yeah because it's one that people didn't really care about so you could tinker with it but the Lion King like can you imagine the uproar if it's not exactly like the cartoon but then it's so pointless. Like that, that's kind be, of my point. Yeah, it's so pointless. Yeah. Let let's make it like the animated film, but not animated anymore. Okay, well, why? Let's make it an animated film, but not advertised as such. Because we've discussed this on numerous numerous occasions that what's going on here is a hundred percent animation. It's just mm. a different type of animation. To be to be fair, I think um, one of the like in terms of just publicity um one of the best people who understand how to talk um in these sort of like you know soundbite junkets um about animation and how it fits into these films is 
thankfully the film's director John Favreau mm-hmm. the way he was talking about animation around the uh, the release of the Jungle Book was quite impressive he was he was really playing up the role of the animators and um, aligning himself and the techniques that they were using as just a very high tech version of like the original Jungle Book for instance and um, he wasn't up for um, or rather he was quite quick to shut down it seemed uh, conversations that sort of seemed to imply you know the digital makeup thing or um, you know that this was in any way like a live action version uh, well, Disney you're not calling this live action it's just some of the um, uh, reports people right. online uh, calling it live action obviously wrongly hmm. but I think they, they're just calling it reimagining or the new Lion re-imagining. King yeah. yeah that's an interesting word and a word that's been used quite a lot I mean like we said it's basically the whole idea of the Lion King to begin with was a reimagining of a story that already existed but just mm. in a way that no one had seen before or two, at least two stories that already existed <laughs> the de-imagining yeah. <laughs> what else? What next? Oh, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, so if anyone's interested in checking out that list, we'll leave the link in the show notes for the article. But um, we're going to move to television animation really briefly uh, because I know the, um, the reimagining or the redoing of the uh, very popular property Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles... Uh, wrapped up relatively recently and um, on Nickelodeon. I think the show that began in 2012 uh, finally finished. But um, already they're announcing a new series that will be taking place on Nickelodeon. And um, I believe they're recasting pretty much the entire, you know, all the characters. Uh, Josh Brenner is going to be Donatello. Omar Miller as Raphael, Ben Schwartz as Leonardo, and Brandon Michael Smith as Michelangelo, etc. Um, it is interesting to hear that they're, uh, the particular premise that they're going for is seems to be more of um, what's the word? Like, if Mimi, you can help me out with this, Chris. It's uh, more of a like modern slash mystic vibe. I think more so than some of the previous incarnations. No, it does say tapping into mis- mystic ninja powers. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I, yeah, I'm not quite sure exactly the tone it's going to have. Um, uh, but it's going to be it's going to be two D again, which is the ah right. Yes, that was the big uh, difference between the last the last series. And it's called Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So it's it is sort of like a reboot, probably them from the beginning obviously for the new generation um and it'll be interesting to see what the visual style is because it feels like it's they've tv animation has got over the point where they're like everything has to be cg or the kids won't like it um which is why we've got great things like the new ducktales reboot and everything which this shares a voice with does it now ben schwartz ben Schwar. One of the, yeah oh, John Ralphio. John, John Ralphio. Is it yeah. John Ralphio? Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, him. <laughs> yeah. So he's now a Ninja Turtle and a a duck. Um, That's an interesting combination. 
And also, apparently, the uh, this a different take on April O'Neil this time. Uh, it's oh. going to be going to be voiced by uh, an actor, actor called a Cat Graham, and they are play. They this is the first time that um, April O'Neil is going to be portrayed as an African American character. So, oh, interesting. And also, the uh, voice director of the new series is going to be Rob Paulson, who is Excellent. a voice voice actor legend. Uh, Known as the voices of um, as uh, Pinky from Pinky in the Brain, and also Yakko from Animaniacs, and also one of the original Ninja Turtles, and yep. also one of the more recent Ninja Turtles. But yeah, he ones. was. If you're if you're curious, if you aren't sure, if you haven't heard about it, he was uh, the obviously original Raphael, and uh, he was uh, cast as Donatello in the 2012 series, which was actually very entertaining. When I originally heard of that casting. I wasn't totally sure what to how to feel about it, but then saw the first couple episodes and see him get into the role, and it's like, oh, this is actually really fun <laughs> having him as Donatello. But uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's gonna be coming down the line, and it's yeah, it's really hard to get a gauge on exactly what the tone is gonna be. If it's gonna be focused more on uh, comedy, or if it's gonna go the uh, line of the um, the 2004 series, which was a bit more faithful to the Mirage comics. It's hard to tell for sure at this point in time, but we'll definitely keep an eye on this particular series as it develops. As long as Michelangelo is still a party dude, then... Uh... <laughs> Donatello does machines. Yeah. Raphael's got attitude. All the the typical, you know, mainstays of the franchise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That makes everyone that, that makes it to keep the rank making series over and over and over and over again. But to wrap up our news section for the day, I definitely wanted to at least just make a mention of this because it, I believe it happened sometime since the last we recorded, I believe, was uh, L.A.'s Animationist film has come and gone. Uh, from all accounts, it was a big success, and we, uh, if you're curious on the kind of events that happened there, we have uh, an article on the website uh, authored by the lovely Jill. Um, in terms of her particular visit to the event. And so if you're curious, you go ahead. We'll leave that in the show notes for you to check out. Um, a couple of films that were in competition came out uh, very you know, successful. There was um, the Breadwinner was the one to get the grand prize and the audience award. And the special jury prize was given to the Big Bat, the Big Bad Fox and Other Tales. You might have heard us talk about both those films quite a lot on this very podcast and Indeed. this website <laughs> very excited for so. both of those movies but yeah so big success and congratulations to them for such a successful festival and look forward to seeing more in the future if we're ready to move on we'll uh, see if we can go over to the water cooler and we can talk about some stuff that we had the opportunity to see or do um with this, uh, you know, for this past week, or we just want to talk about, and Yvonne, um, since we haven't had you on the show for a little while, and I know you had a particular story you wanted to share, how about we start with you? Sure. Um, so, as you all know, we had our um, our second annual Annie Best of Fest, uh, September 29th and 30th. And, and I'm um, so we've... mad I couldn't get there. <laughs> 
it was really good. I mean, we had so much more content. I can't believe the amount of stuff that we've done this last year. I actually, I was putting together like the pitch deck for our, uh, if you're interested in sponsorship, please reach out. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> sponsorship opportunities, but, um, we've done so much this year and, um, something else. It's really pretty incredible. So we're just continuing to, uh, sort of move on we started a secondary initiative i mentioned this before called um annie exchange to uh yeah put yeah connect uh, animators to projects and um it's something i think that's really important it's something we've kind of been doing from the very beginning but um i hadn't really thought about it when i talked about um basically i just kind of focused on the cool the cool screening events and the cool festivals but you know you've always sort of been um, we all, we've always had workshops and we've always been sort of connecting people because that's obviously um, what I would want. <laughs> um, and uh, so being informed as a freelancer, um, it's something we're trying to do. So for Best of Fest, I'm getting to the main story, but for Best of Fest, we had this speed pitching event, um, uh, which we're going to stop calling them it that because it was, it was super confusing for a lot of people. Like They weren't sure what they were supposed to bring. But basically, we had like four animators set up and then industry people sort of moving around them. And uh, some people, I, I, I'm sure, were, were definitely, well, actually, I know for a fact that some people were hired um, from that event. And um, it was, uh, you could feel that there's a need for it. And so we're hoping to be um, another sort of a clear, strong conduit um, for uh, animators um, to get work, basically. Um, we're not necessarily interested in being a talent broker at this point, but, you know, uh, whatever. I mean, maybe it could also, it's sort of could solidify our relationship with the filmmakers and also with a lot of studios. But, um, you know, another thing that we're trying to do, and um, I'm getting a little bit off topic now. but That's okay. Um, that's all right. It's a dissolved... Good stuff. Yeah, it's all part of it. But we, um, you know, for like VR and AR projects, like I, I really want to, and I, I mean internationally when I say um, uh, creating uh, opportunities, like most of the films that we play are like 90% of them are, are international films. Um, but we, we, uh, we're looking to sort of incorporate animators early on in a lot of VR and AR projects. And, you know, Ideally, it'd be nice to crack the nut and get um, animators involved in um, in all animation earlier, um, but so they're not, you know, like caught in this sort of labor triangle at the end. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, specifically with the AR and VR um, projects, there's a real opportunity there because of the end result. People are seeing um, um, poor results with regard to like quality and and appeal, and and um, so you know, there's a solution there. But anyway. Long story shorter, um, um, I could keep on going. Um, it's all right. We, okay. uh, we uh, you know, we're definitely creating opportunity already. But with any exchange, we've, um, uh, you know, we're trying to focus on that. So as part of that, um, uh, we connected. Uh, we so we had a panel of judges select, uh, like last year, select their favorite films for Annie Best of Fest, and then we had um, in addition um, some special prize judges. So we had Andrew Gordon from Pixar select our grand prize winner um, mm -hmm. from the Best of Fest, uh, and then of course we had uh, Animation for Adults pick our Animation for Adults award, and Ronnie Anderson pick our uh, Anderson Contemporary Award. So we put um, our filmmaker, our grand prize winner was uh, Dario Imbrogno with Osa. Um, his film is beautiful, and I'm, I actually already have a link for you, Chris, and, and Rachel, for the uh, the show notes. 
Oh, cool. Awesome. But, um, Great. It's a beautiful film. And uh, we scheduled as part of his um, winnings uh, a talk with, you know, 20 minute video chat with Andrew Gordon. So, how cool is that? Like, you submit that your is film. Similar. For free to a festival, <laughs> and then you get to chat with um, you know this twenty-plus-year veteran at Pixar um, about your film. Not just meet with him, but talk about your film that he's handpicked. Like, how great is that? And um, it's oh my gosh, <laughs> a reason to get super pumped up for sure. Uh, so exciting. So and and I. Um, you know, I basically, I initially I was just like, all right, well, maybe we'll do like some sort of like promotional thing and they can both say hi and we'll use that in social media. And then the thing is like, they started talking and I was just like, this is awesome. Like, <laughs> like I just kind of stepped back, you know, we had like one little moment where, you know, they could have had enough, but they just wanted to talk to each other. And that's the thing. Like, yeah. they just wanted to chat. And, um, and I was just like, this is the most important thing. So I like, you know, grabbed a, a screenshot to prove that happened. And, um, and chatted with the both of them, you know, separately. But, uh, you know, they may very well wind up uh, collaborating on, on um, something. And, and that is the whole point. <laughs> that is no, the whole point of that it. Is, and, that uh, is super duper fantastic. Yeah, and it's, it's really great. And, yeah, an opportunity and even it should happen more often. Uh, exactly. Exactly. That's a point. And, and uh so yeah, moving forward, like we've, if anyone, uh, if anyone listening is interested in uh, participating, um, actually send me an email. That's the best way. We we don't have. Uh, if you submit your film, we've actually incorporated a little um, sort of link there, um, telling you how you can uh, submit your information. Basically, we're canvassing um, animators around the world about you know their software use and hardware use and um, dream projects and the state of freelance where they're living. And uh, sort of if they've worked on AR and VR projects, it's not just for AR and VR projects, but basically, you know, um, that's still big scope, though, all around yeah. the world. Yeah, well, we've gotten a lot of uh, positive feedback so far, and then we have another forum for studios, and and um, you know, we're just trying to connect the two um, mm-hmm. uh, right now. But it, but it, it was a, it, it was pretty great. I think I was definitely as excited as Dario and um and uh actually I still have to mail him his prize. He also got a um Intuos uh pro paper. <laughs> and um yeah, so that's uh, going out in the mail tomorrow. <laughs> I'm super happy for him. That is that is amazing. Yeah, it's such a great film and um and that's the other yeah, such a great film. And then the other little cool bit of news is to um, is that I so there's another screening actually I, I'll give it a, I'd like to plug it a little bit um, it's pretty neat okay. it's called the animation showcase uh, yeah uh, okay. Benoit yeah Benoit uh, Siwar I I'm probably slaughtering his last name but um, he he uh, is showing sort of Oscar pro- he does like Oscar predictions, and um, we may. I'm. I think we may be working together soon. I, that's that's not an announcement. I, I don't know. I, okay. We definitely have a similar um, mission, um, and I really love what he's doing. Um, he's he's showing he's getting promotion and then showing a lot of the films for free. But what's interesting and what it sort of highlighted for me is like I went through uh, a lot of the films that we've played at Animation Nights New York, and we've also been kind of predictive, <laughs> but um, like accidentally, um, like you know, Mr. Medea is uh, Oscar qualifying film, by the way. Oh my God, that's awesome! Isn't that cool? <laughs> so, Mr. Medea. 
Which is our, for everyone who doesn't know, it was our um, Animation for Adults award-winning film last yep. year. Yep, 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 yep. It's awesome. Yeah. That, movie, that so, film was wonderful. So good. So, um, yeah, very exciting. But um, and then a lot of the films that were in the Animation Showcase at Soho House uh, the other day, we also played uh, at Animation Nights New York. So oh, I'm just kind of talking to them about sort of the, the industry network um uh, and how again we could sort of um, you know expand it and and work together to to create opportunity for people, you know, and also garner support for our festival as well. But um, first and and foremost to you know create opportunity and exposure for animators. Oh my gosh, was... it's really exciting, right? You yeah, really really my... exciting. are uh, amazing. Just hands down, <laughs> like I'm not worthy. You are an amazing person. <laughs> no, it's well. I mean, it's it's uh, there's a need. You know what I mean? Like, uh, oh yeah, the need is definitely yeah. there, and the fact that you're championing championing that is uh, is just stellar. Like I said, I, I can't find uh, a better word for it. Yeah, I mean, I'm you know, I'm just trying. Like the I, the thing is that it, we can you know we all just we have to work together. <laughs> and, That's true. You know, and and I think everyone you know. Uh, yeah, uh, we'll see. It, it's it seems to be going along pretty well, though. I mean, yeah. And with regard to Animation Nights New York, we're, we have a couple of different venues. Um, we may be we may have some announcements in January, but um, it's all a little bit up in the air right now. We're doing our main screening events at the Gutter in Williamsburg. It's a um a bowling alley. Uh, they have a screening room, and we're in the Gutter spare room, which is oh huh. name. Um, <laughs> and you can also bowl and drink craft beer um <laughs> but we're there and we also um are we may be doing a couple screenings in dumbo uh in, like in the next month so okay um, gotcha yeah and we've done it but yeah i mean we've done some pop-up vr stuff we worked at had a vr project and uh, there's been a lot going on and we're continuing our um animator interview series on animation for adults excellent um, yep Yep. And uh, we are working on It's on Crafts uh, on some things, too, that will be announced. So That's wonderful. Hopefully, hopefully there will be um, some more content uh, for people who live outside New York City. I'll just say that. Okay, <laughs> that's really cool. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all that with us. It was great. And um, definitely we'll make sure to, at the say, when we're wrapping up this episode, um, if you're interested in... All that we've been talking about, we'll make sure that we'll leave links in the show notes for you guys and uh, also where we can find Yvonne and Animation, uh, Animation Nights New York's uh, main website if you're interested in uh, looking further into that. Um, to move along with the water cooler, uh, Dan and Chris, I think you had something you both wanted to share in regards to a film called In This Corner of the World. Mm, yes. Okay, so yeah. you have both of you have the floor. Who wants to start? <laughs> <sighs> well, Dan, you watched it in the cinema originally, didn't you? When it when it was released? Yeah, yeah, it had a yeah during its limited UK release. I went to the cinema and saw it. And it has just been re- just been released on DVD and Blu-ray and digital in the UK. Uh, so I got a chance to watch it as well. Um, and this is. Uh, the film, uh, the uh, PG rated film, as it is, I just checked. <laughs> uh... <laughs> okay, yes. do you know what? I just checked two, and it says 12A. 
So maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know what you're looking at. <laughs> I'm looking at Amazon. I'm looking. I'm looking at. The... Uh, I'm looking at BBFC. Okay, I'm just looking at the box on Amazon <laughs> that says rated parental guidance. Okay. Rating. So do, do we have? We have a um dis we have a disagreement there over <laughs> what rating it is. <laughs> it's gonna I get know. ugly. It's gonna get ugly. No one knows. <laughs> no one knows what uh, what we're talking about because uh, that bit's gonna not be in this week's episode. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but this is um it's set it it opens in uh like early 30s isn't it mm-hmm. i think yeah um in japan and it's uh about a young girl um and it sort of starts when she's like really young but it um uh what happens is uh she ends up moving away from her family uh to move in with her her husband it's like an you know basically an arranged marriage um and it's not um, such an arra- it, i've never seen this this well, happen before like in any it's not an arranged marriage. It's just like you know. It's like he's he's um he's just like uh, pointing his finger on a map without looking and gone. Yeah, oh, that one. Yeah. I want oh, that one. Oh, do. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how that works. It's crazy. She's completely. She has her life completely uprooted, based on yeah. basically the whim of like a a dude who's like, oh, yeah. I better get married. Interesting. <laughs> oh man, that's horrible. Uh, so she she moves in with the family, and basically, the the Second World War happens pretty much. Oh. <laughs> um, and the the where where they live is a place called Kure, which is um out outside Hiroshima. Oh. Um, and uh, I I believe she lived in Hiroshima originally. Her family. Oh. Um, yeah, and her name is Suzu, and um, yeah, it's so it's obviously a story of of the war, but like from basically from you know the um, the little people's perspective, mm. you know they're not they're not the soldiers. Well, maybe the men go to war, but it's like the um, uh, how yeah, obviously. Japan were on the other side, <laughs> uh, but you get it's um, from the yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying it very well. What am I they were the enemy, Chris. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what you were trying to say. <laughs> but it, it it shows the um, the the normal people who weren't weren't like doing bad things. They were just up in it. trying to live their mm-hmm. life. They were just trying to live their life as normal. Um, and obviously, if you know your history, you know they didn't win, and uh, something happened in Hiroshima in 1945. There was, yeah. yeah. Um, but obviously, they don't live in Hiroshima, but it's um, it, they still get. Um, it's in. It's weird because for a lot of the lot of the uh, the film, like the war is sort of. An abstract idea that doesn't really um, impact them. Would you say that? Uh, well, okay. So Kure, that is where they live at the time, was um, like a naval city, like a naval town. 
So everyone there pretty much worked for the Navy. So, I mean, everyone was kind of vaguely aware of like, but I, I guess the thing, the thing is, is like anything is like, even like the breadwinner, you know, they still had to eat and they still had to do this and that and life goes on. And yeah, I guess it's, it's very, but the war is very much happening like on the periphery. It's, um, mm. that, that, I mean, that's true until, until it's until not. yeah the in 1945 when the air raid uh, when the air raids get serious and they um, and they're forced to build a shelter in the garden um, and it starts to resemble very much the middle part of uh, Ethel and Ernest for me yeah I, I was I was thinking it it was a bit like that yeah I was because I it was not what I was expecting at all. I don't know. I I think I was expecting something like Grave of Fireflies. Sure. But it felt more like. But it felt more like Ethel and Ernest. Mhm. Mhm. Um, and it's, it's yeah, because it's like the the style of it and everything is is sort of sketchy and cartoony. Oh, it's great! Of. These great like and, deformed characters with massive hands. Oh. Yeah, and it's sort of it's until things start going really intense it's it's quite it, you know it's just normal life and it's just life going on and you know she's a bit goofy and i really stuff. related and, to her like she's she's so ditzy and um naive about so many things like she's like she's caught sketching um the shoreline where all the navy ships and u-boats and things are lined <laughs> up and the military police catch her and they give her a massive talking to in front of her family, her you know her um, her uh, adopted like family, yeah. and um, and um, they all like laugh. <laughs> once 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 yeah. the police leave, they all feel about all laughing, about thinking it's the funniest thing in the world. And I really go her a spy. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that that bit is amazing. For me, yeah. like that's really yeah. encompassing of the whole film's why the film is so good and what's so unique about it is that it has a sense of humor and a sort of lightness about um, you know a life which which could easily be shadowed by one event and isn't really. Mm. Hmm. Well, I watched it for second time this week because uh, I'd I'd, uh, I'd already I'd, I watched it the first time I actually watched it dubbed and the second time I watched it um, oh. subtitled. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would I'm normally someone who prefers to watch animated films dubbed. To be honest, just because um, I don't want to take away from the animation. Um, and so for your first watch, um, I'd I'd prefer to just be concentrating on the animation and story and not have to um i i know that's not the most popular opinion yes it people. is not um, <laughs> i know no i mean especially but, not okay brain for that. <laughs> i i agree with you but the thing is it's like sometimes there are things that are so culturally specific it's just kind of pointless to pretend was that like well, I, I get distracted by things like when they try and mm. find 
sorry, sorry, Chris. I'm I'm sort of going on, but I get kind of distracted when when they do things like they try and go, oh, this person's from the country, so we'll give them a, a Southern American accent, and that for me is like more just trying to find those desperate like parallels. I find it a little bit more distracting than if I was just listening to another language. Totally, these are cops. They're yeah. gonna eat some donuts. In New York City <laughs> accents, even though they're. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's what people will relate to. I haven't seen I haven't seen the well, dub, so I can't I can't well, talk first, about uh, it. Well, firstly, yeah. I, I will say that the 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 anime the dub is not like that at all, and it's perfectly respectful <laughs> and perfectly decent and well done and everything. So, let me just say that. But also, I think it's better watch subtitled because because it is so culturally specific and it is so japanese is what i'm going to say and i preferred for it subtitled but the, the dub is per- is the dub is well is perfectly well well handled and everything mm-hmm. it's it's just this is a film that makes more sense in japanese mm-hmm. is all it seems um, that way with the way that you're talking about it uh-huh. yeah um but it was also interesting uh, i actually I was talking about the breadwinner and on on Twitter, and somebody uh, asked me basically about a comparison to in, in this corner of the world, uh, because uh, he's uh, someone who works for the distributor of it in the UK. Uh, well, internationally actually, they distributed it, and uh, he's listed the produce. He's on the credits, <laughs> yeah. But he he was uh, just asked for a quick comparison with the breadwinner. Um, and I basically breadwinner is intense all the way through, as we said. Um, but the most of the time, the, in this corner of the world, feels a lot lighter until like the last twenty minutes or so, when it it beca- you know, basically it's when the war catches up, and that's when it becomes more intense and uh, stuff and things happen. And that bit is, and like the the animation bits in that bit, like they do really. The, the effects with paint splatters and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's really, it's really an interesting way of doing it. Um, yeah, that bit is basically that, that like last twenty minutes or whatever is phenomenal. Um, and it it does some things. We're not going to talk spoilers, uh, but it does. It you know it does some things that are impactful. But it it does you know you might think because uh, this is like around Hiroshima or whatever, you might just assume, oh, this is a film where everyone dies or whatever, but it's, without spoiling, it's not. <laughs> but it, it has, it has intense things and things have impact and uh, it's moving and it's great. <laughs> and it's, yeah. I was very impressed with this film, is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. It's absolutely, pro- like, one of, there are like three movies which I'm sort of, it's, it's, it's really unfair and pointless to talk about like the best film of the year but like three movies that stood out to me this year were definitely this um, The Breadwinner and My Life is a Courgette and, oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. but, but um, I was worried so I saw The Breadwinner and then I watched this again uh, in this corner of the world and I was worried that um uh I mean, they're very different movies trying to do different things, but I was worried that, you know, it would seem, like, too cute <laughs> after seeing The yeah. Breadwinner. 
Um, and it really isn't. It, it's um, it's really mature. It's got um, you know, it deals with I don't know just how harsh life can be on on everyone. And the story doesn't seem any less like significant next to you know a more a harsher world. You know that that would probably be you know um what's the word um you know a, a world that's completely overtaken by terror it's not that world but it's um yeah it, it, yeah i i i know I, I i love it i love it very much and um i saw it when i so when i first saw it i hadn't been to hiroshima and then um late this summer i went to hiroshima and uh uh, I've, you know, I've visited and spent a very uh, intense day, uh, a couple days, you know, in the city, and it's a beautiful place, and and it looks very much like the the place in the film, and it's sort of been, um, the film's been sort of uh, lovingly adopted, you know, for obvious reasons by by the city. There was lots of like posters of the film everywhere. Oh, wow. um, but the thing that um, the the theme that really stuck with me uh, in relation to the place itself was that it's like about rebuilding. It's about um, you know things being torn down and you just pure human spirit being the thing that gets things standing again and. Uh, yeah, that that was what I was thinking of when I was watching it the second time, very much. Uh, yeah, it's great, and I really recommend checking it out because it's it's a really good. Um, I don't use this word very much, and I mean it in the best sense. It's a really good cartoon. It's a really good, mm-hmm. um, like simplification, like distillation of of certain things presented in. Uh, simplified ways and uh, it does it brilliantly very cool yeah it's definitely a film uh, before the year is over I have I've marked down on my list and I think I should be able to get access to it soon to watch it so when I do I'll make sure to let y'all know my thoughts on it but that's that's a very that's really high praise coming from both of you and I trust both of your yeah. thoughts when it comes to film so <laughs> definitely gonna move that higher up on my list and see if I can get that sooner rather than later. Uh, it's really hard, like, if we're moving on from the water cooler, that you all's done so awesome things. Yvonne's been doing, working, moving and shaking these great stories from Annie, Dan and Chris. You get to see a really un- incredible animated film. I have been kind of out of it this past week. Um, it's been a bit of an emotional roller coaster, so I haven't really had a chance to watch too much. If, if I've watched anything, it's been mainly comfort stuff. But, um... It's. I won't go into the details, but it was uh, looking looking for stuff that I knew would you know, give give me a warm fuzzy feeling, or at the very least, you know, something that would that visually interesting that would make me laugh. That's and important stuff. That's it is. that's just as important as any anything else. Yeah, but it, I I went to a source that I didn't expect to go to. I kind of tried it out in a whim, and I ended up enjoying it a lot more than I thought I would. At least the stuff that I had yet to see. It was a. Um, it's a series that both Chris and I have discussed before, on uh, on the po- on this podcast, and um, it was a series that kind of started. It started on Rooster Teeth, 
um, that's very heavily inspired by Japanese animation um, and themes and uh, stuff, and it's called Ruby. Oh. I... Right. We have, like I said, we've discussed this before. We've discussed mainly like the earlier seasons because um, they're up to their fifth season right now, which is currently airing on the website. And um, I've uh, been able to get access to some of the newer episodes, and I had to, I had to backtrack a little ways because I remember I'd like watched like halfway through the third season, I think, and um, they've they released so many episodes. Like they they finished the fourth season, I think, last year, and uh, so I basically I was basically just playing catch up with this thing. And I remember, like, being intrigued by it. Like, there's some really neat ideas, but, you know, the animation was definitely... Because they were going for, like, um... Uh, I, I really, like, don't know, like, really the kind of the style. Like, how would you define it, Chris? Like, I remember, did we define it before and I just forgot? <laughs> what, like, how, do you, how does one describe the animation present in Ruby? Because it's... It's it, it's, it's a little bit of everything. Well, it's, it's, it's 3D CD, but it's, it's trying to look... Imitate anime, really? It's anime influence. Yes, definitely. It like looks like cell shaded, right? Kind of, yeah. That would, that would yeah. be the old-fashioned kind of. term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, it's like you definitely, if you go back and watch like the earlier seasons, you definitely see where it's like def- rough around the edges, and like they're still trying to work out how they want to portray, you know, or show the story that they're creating, and it had a very, you know, kind of like, you know, oh, it's like it takes place in this magical high school where, uh, you know, kids are, you know being trained to be called these called hunters or huntresses where they go and defeat these evil creatures that they're not entirely sure they understand but feeds off ne- negative emotion and i mean it was fun and i liked i liked some of the characters and it had some genuinely nice moments of humor um but not really too much for me in the way of plot but that's when i you know i picked back up where i left off and there that's i think where the, the episodes where i started into where i am currently they were really moving and shaking on the plot. They they had some really interesting uh, moments in, with the characters and how they're developing the world. Like seasons four and five, from what I can see, you're actually you've left the school and are now really actually exploring the other different parts of the world proper. Like all the main characters um, in the main team, which is one of the different acronyms for the uh, the title of the show. You know, Ruby, Weiss, Blake, and Yang, which are the four primary uh, main characters. Uh, they've all gone their separate ways. They were originally a team in the first couple seasons, but because of what happened in the third season, they all had to go their separate ways for whatever reason. And so you'll go back and forth between what Ruby's doing, what Weiss is doing, what Yang's doing. And it's... And I like how the fact that they're expanding this world and kind of developing more of the lore, and we actually have, you know, a legit villain. Like, the, the antagonist that we had seen in, like, the earlier scenes prior was kind of like the the dragon, or like the the um the second one of the second in command to this actual big bad, who is I was really happily surprised because um I recognized the English voice voice actress right away as the um voice actress who plays Cortana in the Halo series, and considering how Rooster Teeth and their history with Halo um and Red and Red versus Blue, I thought that was a really really interesting choice. But it was and she's done really excellent so far. And there's some really good voice cast, and I know because the series has been really big in Japan as well, I actually was able to look online and found versions of, like, especially these most recent seasons that I've been getting into, see them in Japanese with subtitles. 
And it's actually really awesome because I'm hearing a lot of different uh, voice actors, uh, Japanese voice actors that I recognize from other really big like anime series, and they're all cast in characters in this show. And it's really, really kind of surreal to hear like the English dub first and then go and see the exact same thing in Japanese. So you're watching the American show dubbed in Japanese. Yeah. So that's... Uh, I want to watch... It, it fits really a, well. That's a double way. Really well. I want to watch SpongeBob that way. <laughs> That's the oh oh I tell you I've watched um I've watched SpongeBob SquarePants the movie in German or part oh, of it. Oh, that's so cool. Um, it, yeah, just I used to work in the shop where we put videos on all the time and <laughs> got a bit bored once and we put SpongeBob on in German and it's great. <laughs> I don't know why it's just it's just funnier that way. It is really, really cool to uh, like experience to see a show that you're familiar with with one version with one language and then be able to hear it in, in another. But no, yeah, it's it's actually I really I really like how far Ruby has come in terms of the series. I mean, you definitely notice a change in the look once you leave, once you leave um, season three and enter season four. Like, there's a lot of you know character design changes and. Um, I don't know. There's just something about the animation style that, in terms of, they, they, it looks more refined than it was originally. Did something change in the budget at that point? Did they sort of start going because it was originally a web series, and then did it go on Netflix or something? No, I don't think it's on Netflix. I think it's still primarily on Rooster Teeth. But Rooster Teeth, I think, probably has definitely a lot more of a but you know budget. I don't know if that's the reason behind the changes that they made. Mm-hmm. I would have to do some actual research to to make sure that that was, you know, legit. But mm-hmm. it definitely, like, the the look that it's going for now, I think, is basically kind of what they always wanted the series to look like, it seems like. And it's... I It really appeals to me. I mean, I know that kind of animation is not everyone's cup of tea, but it's... In terms of that particular style, the style that they are going for, the style that they've been wanting to go for, it, it looks like it's probably, like, the best... One of the best ways it could look. So you're not supposed to pronounce it Rewubi. 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 Yes. Okay. Not 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 Rewubi. No, because they explain that in the very beginning of the series when they're uh, assigning the different uh, teams of students together and how they pronounced um, this one of the secondary group of main characters uh, team uh, (laughs) Juniper because of the way that the first letter of their names all line up in terms of their uh, status on the team and. The leader is the first letter in the name, and then you have the rest of them compiled behind them, and then it was that was how they pronounced it, it was the Ruby. Ruby and Juniper. But yeah, it's 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 got some really nice lore. Um I love the world building that's been going on. They've been doing a lot of um they've been showing a lot of um material that goes into the work of each episode at the end, basically while while the credits roll. Like lots of like, you know, um background and you know pictures and like while they as they were designing the different like uh, settings or scenes in, that are featured in the episode, which is really cool. I, li- I like where it's going, and I'm very I'm eager to tune in to see how new episodes play out. So yeah, thumbs up there. <laughs> Thank you all for uh, tuning in and listening to our discussions on the on news stories, uh, water, you know, stuff we've experienced, and our main topics. So, um, if you want to follow what we're doing here on Animation for Adults and support us, you know, definitely check out the main website, you know, talking about news, reviews, 
find us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and Pinterest. If you would like to make a contribution and help us, you know, continue to develop the site and um, add new features, definitely take a look at our Patreon page, which we'll make sure to leave in the link. And if we're going to follow each of us individually, we'll start with you, Chris. Where can we find you? You can find me at Mr. Chris Store on Twitter and Facebook. Dan? You can find me uh, on Twitter at Hamu. Very good. And Yvonne? I'm on Twitter at isnare underscore inc and um, and also if you're interested in Animation uh, Nights New York you can check us out at animationnights.com yeah submit your film via Film Freeway or check out the button on the page yeah definitely look into the uh, that animation you know connecting you know I'm sorry but the name is escaping me now I'm sorry Oh yeah, no. The or oh, any exchange will actually we'll any link exchange. To okay. Yeah, uh, link to the form for filmmakers and for studios um, on the in the show notes. Yeah, press that button. This <laughs> is awesome. And if you're interested in following me, you'll primarily find me on Twitter at Fail to Ninja. And as always, everyone to both new listeners and old, thank you very much for your support, and we will see you next time. Take care. Everybody needs just the right amount of fuel to get going in the morning. For some, a nice McDonald's egg and cheese bagel is just enough to do it. Others might prefer a McDonald's bacon egg and cheese bagel. Or perhaps a sausage egg and cheese bagel. And there are those where nothing will do but a hearty McDonald's steak egg and cheese bagel. Four different breakfast bagels to get you going. Tomorrow morning, give your engine a head start at participating McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. If you could put all the wonders of the world into one place, you'd end up with something very much like Key Largo. Key Largo is not only the gateway to the Keys, it's the launching point for the untamed Florida Everglades. In fact, from snorkeling our living coral reef to fly fishing the Everglades backcountry, Key Largo offers the best of both worlds. For more about Key Largo and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash Key Largo.